Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Good morning. Welcome to Coastal. Uh, Welcome to everybody watching online. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I know we have one extra person watching online today, Pastor Chris. Uh, is not here. I believe he's actually like sitting in an airport waiting to fly back to Charleston. Um, so all of you with him joining online, thank you. Make sure you ask any questions in the chat. We've got a whole team of people uh, ready to engage with you. Uh, but we are going to jump right into uh, week two of a series that we're calling Missing Peace. Um, peace is kind of like a, like a hot-button topic this time of year, uh, something that we all strive for. And so what better time to dive into the topic of peace and specifically uh, what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, so first question um, I have for you is how many of you have people in your life that you would consider difficult? Difficult. Yeah, that's funny, right? Yeah, I think most of us, um, and if you can't think of anyone... Maybe you are the one, right? Uh, But most of us uh, have one, if not multiple, that you can think of this morning. Uh, Some of you, maybe most or all of the people in your life, you would classify as difficult or difficult to love, right? Either way, one thing I think we can agree on is that for some reason, like during the month of December, there always seems to somehow be more people in your life that are difficult to love, right? I don't know what kind of like... Christmas holiday reverse psychology phenomenon that is, but it's true. Right, people just get more difficult to love with everything we have going on this time of year. And I'll tell you one thing that I think uh, probably contributes to this phenomenon, and honestly just uh, difficult people to love in general, is how everyone is an expert now. You, you find that to be true? Like, it may just be me, uh, but I think it maybe it's one of the lasting effects of like COVID too. Everyone's an expert now. Right? Uh, I feel like our population of scientists increased about 300% in the last couple years. And so now everyone is an expert in everything. And so obviously everyone else is, is uh, always wrong. And so then just snowballing, it turns into everyone becoming offended uh, because clearly you're right and they're wrong. You know what I'm saying? And then that combined with our social media uh, gives us a world of people uh, who are just quick to be offended, right? Myself included. We're all, we're all quick to get offended, whether it's about science or whether it's about a sports team or just an opinion on somebody or something. We're all quick to get offended in whatever it is. You know, and I know I kind of started off joking a little bit, but in all honesty, it can become a legit problem. Right? We get offended, and then when we get offended, uh, relationships suffer, jobs suffer, quality of life suffers. And so this is what we're going to kind of dive in today in our Missing Peace series, uh, working towards peace by dealing with uh, the people in your life who are difficult, dealing with people in your life who are difficult to love. It's working towards relational peace, right, relational peace. And and this is something I just want to say right off the bat. I think it's a a point right there on your outline. outline. Uh, If you are always looking to be offended, you always will be. Right, if you were always looking to be offended, you always will be. And it's just that simple. Right? And a lot of times, being offended may not sound like that big of a deal. Right? Again, if you truly think about it, right, what happens when you get offended? Right, think about what happens to your whole day. Think about what happens to how your whole week might even change. How your you know, opinion of people and things can change. 
right? It's one of those things that just kind of seeps into different areas of our lives and just continues to cause problems, right? When we're offended, we're not as productive. When we're offended, we're not happier. We're not healthier. Our relationships aren't as good. And so, you know, what I want to talk about is kind of how we can combat this in our search for relational peace. Um, And for some of you, this may be, you know, a good prep course for this upcoming Christmas, this season where family comes to visit, right? Because there's always going to be people in situations that offend us, right? It's just going to happen, sometimes more than others, but being offended is inevitable, right? Being offended is inevitable, but here, living offended is a choice, right? Being offended in our everyday life is going to happen, but living offended is a choice, And so let's dive into this. I want to look at one specific passage uh, written by the Apostle Paul. And um, I promise, you know, like Pastor Chris said, we just kind of wrapped up the beginning of our Roman series. Uh, I promise we're in a different series, but we're going to go back to Romans one more time uh, this morning, Romans chapter 12. Um, So it's Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 18. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And then this last verse will be kind of like our key verse. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. All right, so he says, bless those who persecute you. All right, bless those who are mean to you. Bless those who disagree with you. Now, I feel like most of us are thinking probably easier said than done. Right, what does it even mean to bless someone? Right, in my mind, when I hear someone blessing someone, it's like the Pope you know, doing his thing, blessing babies and, and people. So what does it mean to, to bless those people around us? The original Greek word means to speak well of or to wish the best on someone, right? To wish the best on someone. So wish, wish the best on the person who, you know, who does you wrong, on the, on the person who betrays you, the person who goes behind your back, maybe even the person who just annoys you, right? We all have a lot of those. And I don't know about you, but, but for me, and I would venture to, to claim this same for you, it's a whole lot easier to wish well on someone when we like them, right? It's easy to bless someone who is a blessing. But the person who belittles and hurts and brings you down, that's when it gets difficult. Now, and this is another uh, honesty portion of today. How many of you slightly enjoy, maybe, maybe enjoy is not the word, but there's a tiny piece of you that just doesn't uh, 100% feel bad, maybe like 98% feel bad when something not so great happens to one of those people that you don't like? right? Maybe that's just me. Um, if that's not you this morning, we actually have a special section for you to sit in. It's right through those doors, out the glass ones. You'll, you'll find it out there. It says perfect people only, right? But for the rest of us, it's tough not to feel that way, right? There's always going to be a little bit of, of satisfaction in seeing that. Like, has anybody seen those, uh, the videos? I feel like anytime I pull up social media, I see them, uh, like the instant karma ones, right? My favorites are the, are the Karen ones, you know, where person's making a scene for no reason, you know, treating people badly, and it only ends with them, like, calling the cops only for them to be arrested, 
right? We get a lot of joy out of that. Um, and now that's an extreme, you know, version, but it's the same thing, right? We tend to enjoy that. But Paul gives us an explicit command here in these verses. Actually, again, in the Greek language, it's known as a present imperative, which means it's a command meant to be done continually, right? Not just one time, but over and over. So Paul says, bless those who persecute. He's saying, you know, bless the person who is annoying you today, right? And when they annoy you tomorrow, bless them again. When they know you the next day, bless them one more time. You know, and, and then when they bring, you know, their broccoli and fish for lunch and, and microwave it in the office, you know, microwave, go ahead and bless them then too, right? I know that sounds pretty impossible. I think for a lot of us, we actually have kind of like a time limit on our ability to keep blessing someone. I would say on average, maybe I'm good for like 30 minutes, right? Some of you maybe 30 seconds. And that's a start, but probably something you need to work on, Right? You're probably going to need it over the next month. Right? Because the word of God calls us to be a continual blessing. Right? And practically, that's not in our nature. We all know that. Like, we are not designed to, to just continually bless people that annoy us. Right? I don't think there's a single person here who just naturally wants to forgive somebody that does them wrong. So how do we do it? Right? How do we do it? We live out, you know, Paul's words, and I, honestly, I think to, to really understand it, it's kind of like all of Scripture. We have to understand the context, right? We have to understand the context with which the passage was written. So to do that, we're actually going to go to the beginning of the chapter. Uh, we're in chapter, Romans chapter 12, so chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. All right, so he says, in view of God's mercy. So ask yourself this question. And again, answer honestly, right? Like without thinking about how your answer affects the way that you then have to treat other people, right? How merciful has God been to you? How much good has he put into your life that you didn't deserve? Right, how much has he forgiven you when you shouldn't have been? How much has he blessed you? How much has he blessed you in spite of the way that you occasionally treat others? How much has he given you that you didn't earn? Right, so in view of all of that, in view of all of that, Paul tells us to offer your bodies, bodies in living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It's interesting, he says this is your true and proper worship. Basically, worship isn't just what we do here on Sunday mornings, you know, singing songs. Worship is, is also the, the life that we live every single day. Right, living out the love and, uh, the, that we experience through God and the way that we love people around us. And now again, Paul tells us to be a living sacrifice. At first glance, you know, or at first hearing, that may not make too much sense in our context. I think for a lot of us, we've just heard the term living sacrifice in connection with uh, Jesus and the church so much that it's just kind of accepted. Now, what does it mean for you to be a living sacrifice? I think you can look at it like this. Uh, if Say, you know, we're at a situation, whatever, we're at a party and, and a sacrifice was needed for something. And again, I'm not sure what the occasion is and honestly, it sounds like a pretty weird party to be at, but... <laughs> Say a sacrifice is needed. How many volunteers do you think there would be? Right back when they had to sacrifice animals, you know, goats and sheep. How many goats do you think just jumped to the front of the line 
Like, oh yeah, you know, this is my time. Probably not very many. And that's the difference. Right? Jesus was a living sacrifice. He chose to lay down his life. He chose to sacrifice himself. He chose to give his life up for others, for those that he loved. And this is what Paul is calling us to do just in a slightly different context. Right? He's calling us to lay down our, our natural tendencies, to lay down our own desires, right? to lay down the way that we think and act on our own. He's calling us to become the, the vessel in which God's love can work in the lives of those around us. And again, what we have to understand is that this is something that we can't do on our own. Right? We don't have the ability to, to solely make the decisions to lay these things down. I just, again, it's not naturally within us. And honestly, what Paul you know, is talking about here is really kind of like step two in the process. Right? Step one is described in a verse in Galatians, Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right, does that make sense? Like, like step one is being crucified in Christ. It's accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Right, in your old body, your old life, the person you, know, you were is no longer. Right, that person is gone. Christ now lives in you. It was just like our, our baptism here this morning when, you know, when Gabby here was, was submerged under the water. It's her old life, who she was before Christ, being washed away, taken away, gone forever. And when she comes up, she's you know, raised to walk in new life. Right? A new life, a life lived by faith in the Son of God. That's why baptism is so important. And that's, that's honestly why we're doing January 1st, a, a whole a baptism service. What so better way to kick off the new year than, you know, professing your faith and being a part of this baptism? Right? I think that's actually a, a next step that you can sign up for on your Connect card, being a part of that, professing your faith, you know, in this church with this group of people. Right? That you go into the water, your old life, your old body is gone, and you were raised to walk in new life. And so that's the first step, right? That's what it takes to accomplish step number two, right? Which is what we're talking about in Romans, laying down our, our own desires so that we can love everyone around us, even the ones that continually hurt us. Right, let's, let's go back into our passage, uh, verse 15. Just kind of, kind of go through it. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. And then verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not be proud. Do not be conceited. And just a side note, again, if you're hearing this and you're like, oh yeah, the person next to me, I'm glad they're hearing this. This is right for them. Maybe take a step back. Maybe this is for you as well, Right? But in all honesty, it's probably one of the easiest verses to us to, for us to understand. So, so just go ahead and write this down. Do not be proud. Do not be conceited. Don't be proud. Don't be conceited. And, and really, that's a lot of the problems with our world right now. Everyone's too proud and everyone acts like it's all about them. And you know what the worst part is? The church is filled with these people. 
And I promise you, you've never seen someone who is so always right than in the church. Right, they're always right. You can think what you want, but I know I'm right. And you know, if you try to do something different, I'm gonna let you know, but I'm gonna do it in Jesus' name, right? I'm gonna tell you how I spent the last 20 hours in prayer and God told me you know, to come tell you that you set those chairs up wrong last week so you're not gonna be welcome back anymore, right? Don't be proud, don't be conceited. Because here's, a, here's a, a main point. God didn't tell us to be right. He told us to be loving. God did not tell us to be right, didn't tell us to be correct. He told us to be loving. John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another, that's how they will know you are a disciple of Christ. Again, not by how right you are, or how right you think you are. And it's good to be right. It's good to be correct. But it's about being loving. It's by how you love and treat those around you. And you know what else? It actually takes a little bit of, uh, like a little bit of perspective. Right? Perspective. So many of us operate out of our specific line of thinking, right, that comes from our specific circumstances. You know, where we live, who our parents are, what our friends think. Right, the cultural, cultural and uh, financial norms that we live in. And so many times it's just impossible for us to believe that someone could operate and think and make decisions within a different set of norms, right? with a different way of thinking. Like so many Christians think that loving God, worshiping God looks like just one thing, just one way. Right? They can't possibly fathom a world in which someone else is working through things and you know, working and growing in their walk with Christ you know, at a different pace and, and a different, you know, with different trials that, that come into their life. But God calls us to be loving, not right. And when we do this, you know, again, because he was so merciful with us, because of the grace he showed us, because of the, the love that he gave us. That's what we have to remember each and every day. All right, because if we can't, our impact is gonna be severely limited. Right, our impact in this world is gonna be so limited. We have to love, we have to listen, we have to try and understand. It's funny, I think a lot of times when we're interacting with someone we judge them differently than we do ourselves. Why do you ever catch yourself doing that? And what I think happens is, you know, we judge other people based on their actions alone. Right? We judge, you know, we judge them based on the things that they do. Right? All, all the things that, that we can see. You know, we see, oh, this, this person treated me like crap today. Right? My coworker was mean. They were short. Talked to me in a demeaning way. We judge them by their actions, but then we go and we judge ourselves by our intentions, right? If we go act the same way at work, right? I, it's, it's, I didn't really mean that. You know, I just had a really rough morning with the kids or, you know, my parents are going through some health issues or, you know, we've got some financial struggles that are just really weighing me down. Right? We, we judge others on their actions and ourselves on our intentions, but imagine if we took the time, like truly took the time to, to live out and try and understand and help and love people. 
Imagine how much better we could live out that command to be a continual blessing to those around us, to continually love those around us. Ephesians 4.2 says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Right? Be humble, be gentle, be patient. Not because of how right or correct you are or how much you know or where you come from. Be humble, be gentle, be patient out of love for one another. Operating out of this love is a choice. It's a choice that you make each and every day. Just like you know, being uh, offended isn't a choice, but living offended is. Feeling hurt and betrayed and annoyed isn't a choice, but living, uh, loving people in spite of that is a choice. And it's, again, one that the Word of God is calling us to make each and every day. Because in reality, the life that God has planned for us, right, the things that he wants to do in and through our lives, it's too great and it's going to be too impactful you know, for us to be held down by being offended by just insignificant things. But I mean, our lives are set apart by God for us to experience things and, and impact in ways that we could never imagine on our own. And we're going to let being offended by just some, again, unimportant things stop that. How about this? Imagine if Jesus was easily offended. You know? What about if he was offended every time someone didn't thank him for a miracle? Right? He heals 10 lepers, only one of them comes back. He raises the dead, probably very little thanks. Right? We go out of our way even just a little bit to help somebody, and we fully expect to hear how great we are in turn. Right, doubting Thomas, Jesus had to put up with that guy. Right, Peter denying and betraying him. We probably would have got a little offended at that one. Right, but, but not living offended. Not living offended is a choice. Again, Jesus made it. He modeled it, so we have to as well. Proverbs 19.11 said, It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. That's a real bummer for us, Right? Right, but it's the truth. It's obviously going to be better for the person, you know, if we, that person that, that offended us if we overlook their offense. But ultimately, it's going to be better for us as well. It's going to be better for our mental state, our you know, physical, our emotional state, but, but even more so, and most importantly, our spiritual state. Right, we're going to love more because we overlook. And, and again, when we talk about this, when we talk about overlooking offenses, I'm not talking about, you know, major sin that causes major hurt and major damage, right? That's, a, again, a whole different situation. It's a situation where forgiveness and love are still heavily involved, but, but this type of overlooking is different. And the original Hebrew, it actually means to, to pass over or to be above, right? Not letting these things stop you. And again, these offenses are, are like the ones that you're going to experience a lot over the next month when you're trying to cook and, and decorate and you have family and friends sleeping all over your couches and kids are out of school. Right? It's, just, it's just getting over it. It's like it's quicker, real-time forgiveness. Right? And this is tough, but it's honestly one of the most practical things that we can do to show our love. All the small arguments with our spouses, Right, our significant other, just getting over them, realizing what's more important. All these arguments with our kids, just getting over them. 
And now personally, this one is a little tougher. I know that I have uh, two daughters. The young one just turned one, so we don't really argue that much. Um, she does yell at me a lot. She just yells. I don't know what she's getting at, but she's always right. Uh, my oldest daughter is four, though. And we have the most ridiculous arguments. I'm sure you do too, but that have ever been known to me. And a true story is past Tuesday, right? We had an argument that it lasted probably a good 45 minutes over which tea set that she could set up for her tea party. That I don't know, I don't know what happened, but tea parties are serious business in our house. Right, and she has this one, she just had a birthday around Thanksgiving. She got a new fancy tea set. It's like ceramic, very breakable. I don't know what we were thinking, but it's really fancy and girly. And so she's allowed to pull that out for tea parties that are downstairs at the table. Right, and then she has uh, another plastic tea set that's like Mrs. Potts and Chip from Beauty and the Beast. And that's one she's allowed to play with her sister with and take upstairs and, and all that kind of stuff because she can't break it. But for some reason, last Tuesday, after already having a tea party downstairs, she decided she had to take this tea set upstairs to the kitchen sink, or to the bathroom sink, I'm sorry, and have a tea party there. And again, I don't know what I was thinking, but that was a hill that I decided that I was going to die on that night, right? <laughs> so there was a lot of screaming and crying, trying to reason with both of us, you know, probably more me, but just getting annoyed. And, you know, you know eventually she got over it, I got over it, we moved on with our lives, um, but now that I think about it, I'm still venting about it, so maybe I'm not over it. <laughs> I'll talk to her after. But no, it's, it's, it's getting over it. It's knowing what's important. That's what the Bible is talking about. Right? It's getting over things, look, overlooking things out of love. Right? No matter what, I love my daughter more, so I'm going to get over it. My relationship with her is too important. Same with your spouse, your significant other, your friend, your family member, your coworker, whoever it is. God calls us to love more than anything. Right? Calls to love more than anything. And in this context, in the context of overlooking offenses and, and forgiving wrongdoings, the goal of love isn't to be right or wrong. It's safeguarding the relationship. Right? In this context, the goal of love is not to be right or wrong or, or correct or incorrect. It's safeguarding, it's protecting these relationships. That's our goal. Let's just wrap up our passage real quick. Verses uh, 17 and 18. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Right? Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And again, we talked about this earlier. Or we said this is our key verse. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you. You know, we talk about God being an all-knowing God, a God who understands us and, and relates to us. I think this passage specifically is him showing it. He says, as far as it depends on you, meaning he knows there's going to be times where we can't control what someone else does, right? the choices they make, the way they act. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. He says everyone, right? Your spouse when they piss you off, your kids when they want to use a specific tea set. Right? Your family that's coming for Christmas and they're going to point out everything that's wrong with your house and your life. 
your coworker that does absolutely nothing and gets all the credit, right? the person who took your spot in the grocery store parking lot, all the way to the person who, who truly hurt you, you know, and made you feel like less of a person. As far as it depends on you, forgive them. I live at, at peace with them. Again, because your life, it's too important. Right? Your life is too uh, significant to live offended, to allow you know, them or those things to lessen your impact on the world. And if we're speaking candidly here today, a lot of the people that I just threw out, you know, the people that we say might offend us or annoy us or hurt us or, or just make our life difficult, those are the people that we love. Right, the ones that we may not always like, but we do love. And again, our, our, our life is just too fleeting to let these small things come between those relationships. Right, love isn't about right or wrong. It's about protecting your relationships, growing your relationship. It's the same model or the same love that Christ modeled for us and his mercy and his grace towards us. And again, so that's what we have to try and live out each and every day with every single person that we come into contact with. Again, whether it's our family and friends, whether it's a person we randomly meet, whether it's the people we encounter when we go do outreach in our community. That's why we do it. It's showing our love each and every day through our actions, no matter what else is going on in our lives. The ability to make the choice and say, I'm going to love someone today. Right? So the question is just this. You know, the takeaway is, what offenses can you overlook that you haven't been? I know it's tough sometimes, and you know, it's something that we don't want to do. And again, we might find this line where we feel like, you know, these are offenses that, don't, that shouldn't be overlooked. You know, that's between you and God. That's, you know, a time where you need to pray to him and talk to him and figure that out. But as far as it depends on you, what offenses can you overlook? Right? Who can you forgive? Where can you be a blessing today? Let's pray for that. Father God, uh, thank you for just today, God, and the um, ability, opportunity to, um, to gather together as your people um, and worship you. I don't just it's talk about a peace that so many of us are, are searching for, are struggling with, and maybe it's just missing in our lives. And God, relational peace is one that, you know, every single person is going to deal with. We all have relationships in our lives where people may just be difficult to love sometimes. And sometimes it may be us, God. Just help us to see that and to know that, you know, it's not about being right or wrong. It's not about being correct or incorrect. It's about loving each other. And God, whatever these, you know, little offenses are that we do have the ability to overlook, God, just help us to use the strength that you give us and the, the grace and mercy that you model for us on the cross as a guide um, to growing these relationships and protecting these relationships and, and flourishing within these relationships. God, again, no matter who we encounter, whether it's, you know, honestly, a person who just plays a, a small part in our lives to a person we see every single day, the people we live with, Help us to just interact with them in a way that shows your love, that shows that you live, you know, within them. And, and God, maybe there's some people here this morning that, you know, aren't on step number two yet. They're not really there. They're kind of at step number one where they, they you know, see you and they're, and they're learning about you and God. And maybe they're ready to just say, you know, 
I wanna be able to overlook these offenses in my life. I wanna be able to you know, operate out of love and not decisiveness or divisiveness. And so God, we just, uh, I pray for those people today, they can just say, God, just come into my life. I, I know what you did for me on the cross. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I would just pray there's people you know, like that here this morning that are willing to make that next step and then maybe they're ready to, to say it publicly on January 1st. And we all gather together and we see people, you know, submerged in their old life, gone and, and raised to walk a new life. God, I pray for all those people this morning. I pray for each and every one of us here that we're able to go out and live a life of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.